you've got your Bible there, please turn with me back to that portion of Scripture we read, Genesis 1. And I'll just read the opening of verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Okay, friends, um, this morning, I guess we're concerning ourselves with what is quite a a significant question. It's quite a, a grand, a big question. And that's whether there is any value, is there any purpose to human life? Okay, is there any kind of special worth that is inherent in humanity? Anything special? about human life. Now, we could ask an atheist that question, couldn't we? And might give us differing answers. But they might say to us, no, they might say there, there isn't any inherent worth. There's nothing special about human life. You know, that we're just a collection of atoms and cells randomly banging about together. We've no inherent worth, no special purpose. But what I hope we'll see this morning is that the Bible says something entirely different to that. Hopefully we'll see that the Bible teaches us that man is of infinite importance, that that human life, human life is immensely valuable. And I hope, friend, that you see this morning that your life, That is incredibly important to the Lord, your God. Your life is important. Now, if you're joining us for the first time this morning, or perhaps you've not been out for the last uh, few Sunday mornings, then please note that we are going through a series in the book of Genesis, the first part of Genesis. Now, we started off and we looked at God. We looked at the Creator. Then the next week, we looked at the creation week itself. And now this morning, we turn to what is really the pinnacle of God's creative work in Genesis 1. We're considering the creation of man, the creation of humanity. And even more specifically than that, if you like, this morning we're we're considering a truth. We're considering the fact... That man is made in the image of God. Man is made in the image of God. That is our theme. Grasp that. Man is made in the image of God. Okay. Let's not linger there. Let's not give over any more of our time to an introduction. Let's get into this. Let's make a start. And let's consider... The first of three questions this morning. The first of three questions this morning. And it is this. What does it mean that man is created in the image of God? What does it mean that man is made in the image of God? And here, 
Well, think about the content of that image. And then we'll think about the implications of what that means. Okay, so first of all, what is the content of the image of God that man bears? What is it all about? What, what does it consist of? Well, really, that's a question that has provoked a number of responses and answers throughout the centuries. And some of the answers are absolutely crazy. They are far out there. You see, some people, some theologians, they've suggested that man being made in the image of God, it means that we were created to physically look like God. Now, I hope you're sitting there just now thinking, no way, that is absolute madness. I hope you're saying, no, scripture teaches us that God is what? God is a spirit. And so surely we know that being created in God's image, it doesn't mean that we're created to physically look like our creator. No chance, no danger. But what, what does it mean? It doesn't mean that fine, but what does it mean? Well, that we, humanity, are created in the image of God. It means that we, get this, it means that we resemble God in some of his traits and some of his characteristics. We resemble God in some of his traits and some of his characteristics. So consider a few things here. Consider that in contrast with the rest of creation, in contrast with all the other animals, we share with God a sense of morality, don't we? And the other animals don't have that. But we have a sense of what is right and what is wrong. So there's morality. But on top of that, something else. We also share God's aesthetic sense, don't we? We have an opinion on what is beautiful and what is not so beautiful. An aesthetic sense, too. More than that. Think about the fact that that humanity, that human beings have greater intelligence than the animals, don't we? And then, perhaps most obviously of all, we share with God a deep desire for fellowship. We share a desire for communication. We share with God a desire for relationship. Now, I know what you're thinking. Perhaps you're perhaps thinking that's not an exhaustive list. And it certainly isn't. And we could go on. But I'm sure you get the idea. Man is made in the image of God. And that means that God has done something special. He has imparted to man in creation a special value. He's imparted to us some of his traits, some of his characteristics. Friends, we resemble our God. So that's something in the content. But let's, come on, let's dig a bit deeper than that, shall we? What are some of the implications of this image? What does it mean for us that we bear this image of God? What does it tell us 
about humanity. Well, that we are made in the image of God, it tells us a few things. It tells us that we are unique. We are unique amongst creation. You see, we should read verse 26 and verse 27. We should read that in contrast to what came before. Now, what's that repeated refrain? Remember that? The repeated refrain that we hear when God creates plants, when God creates trees, when God creates animals. What does he say? How are they created? They are created according to their kind, aren't they? Now, we don't hear that when it comes to the creation of man. Now, we're not created according to our kind. We are created in the image of God. So we are different. We are unique. But it shows us something more than that. It shows us that we are important to God. We're important to God. You see, I don't know if you noticed this. When we, when we read through it, when Andrew read through it. But what happened just before the creation of man? Did you see it? It's in verse 26. What happened? God speaks. And he says, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. Now, do you, do you see something unusual there? Do you see the significance? Do you see the plural address there? Let us make man in our image. There is a hint. In fact, say there's more than a hint of the triune nature of God here. So such is the importance of man. So significant is mankind that unlike anything else in the, in the whole universe, when it came to the creation of humanity, what happened? The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit stopped. And they paused. And they reflected And then they created man in their own image. Get this, friends. The creation of man was so important that it involved triune deliberation. Triune deliberation. So that we're made in the image of God, it means we are unique. We are made in the image of God, it means we're important. But the word made in the image of God also shows us our very purpose in life. It shows us our purpose. Now, centuries ago, in the ancient Near East, when there was a king, the people used to have a nickname for their king. The kings in the ancient Near East were called the representative of God. The representative of God. And in a sense, if you like, there's something similar happening here in Genesis chapter 1. Because you see, not just kings, but all of mankind have been created 
to represent God amongst his creation. That's why we're here. We are God's representatives. We're here amongst the trees and the plants and the animals. We're here to reflect the glory of our creator. We're here as his representatives. But much more importantly than that, and friends, this deserves our undivided and full attention just now. God created us not just as representatives. That we're made in his image. It shows us that we are created for relationship with him. We are created for relationship with him. You see, that sets us apart, doesn't it? You know, the trees and the the plants... They aren't capable of communication with God. The animals, they're not capable of that either. Man is different. There is a purpose behind us bearing God's image. And the purpose is that we have relationship with him. Now I grant you, I know We've covered a whole whack of stuff there. And we've done so in a very, very short space of time. So let's pause and let me ask you one question. Ready for it? A very simple question. Are you in relationship with your Creator? Are you? You know, as you got up this morning and as you you got ready and you you came to church and as you sit there in your seat just now, are you in relationship with him? Are you numbered amongst the people of God? Are you? You see, it might be the case this morning that you're questioning the value of your life. You might be questioning the worth of your life. You might be questioning the, the, the very purpose of it. Well, if so, know this. Know that God loves you. Know that God values your life. But also know that meaning, that real purpose behind your life, that that can only come when you are in relationship with your God. Now, do you want that? Do you? Do you want an active relationship with your creator? Well, if so, you must bow the knee to Jesus Christ. It must come. It can only come through him. But what about if you're a Christian already? What about for the Christians here? Is there anything in this for you? Oh, yes, there is. Friends, please hear this. Do not let your relationship with your creator, do not let that slide. Is that what you're doing? Are you ignoring the most important relationship that there is in your life? Are you doing that? Don't. You see, friends, God loves and cares for man 
And there is such love and there is such care there that he created us and he did so in his very own image. Okay. Right, let's move on. Let's consider a second question this morning. A second question, and it is this. Has sin, has sin stripped man of that image? Has sin stripped man of the image of God? You get the the basic idea behind that, don't you? You know, we were created perfectly in the image of God. Then Adam and Eve, they disobey God. And man is scarred with inherent sin. Now, does that mean that we no longer bear God's image? Is it gone because of our sin? Well, my dad came to visit, uh, what was it, probably two, three weeks ago. And I love when my dad comes to visit us. I love it for a number of reasons. But primarily I love it because my dad does the DIY around the house that needs to be done. So I always look forward to his visit. And that is exactly what happened this time around. I got on with the work that I needed to do and my dad He uh, set himself the challenge of trying to put together um, this huge, big IKEA glass cabinet that I had bought uh, the week previously. But my poor dad, um, he took it out to the garden to build this cabinet. And as soon as he opened the box, he realized the inevitable had happened. And the huge, big, mirrored front of it had smashed into a thousand pieces and I got a bit of a fright when I went out to see what was going on and I saw this broken and distorted reflection of myself staring back at me. Now that, believe it or not, that provides an illustration of what happened to the image of God in mankind after the fall. Because you see, what what we'll look at in a moment is the fact that we do retain that image of God after Eden. But you see, that image, it is now, like the mirror, the image of God in man is shattered. It is tarnished. It was perfect, but it is no longer so. The image of God in man after Eden is flawed. Now, where do we see in Scripture, where is the scriptural support for the fact that man still has the image of God? Is there any scriptural support? Because it sounds a bit dodgy, if you like. Well, let me take you to Genesis 9.6. You don't have to look it up, I'll read it to you. Genesis 9.6. It says that this is quite a well-known command. It says there... Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. And then it goes on to give a reason why murder is such a terrible crime. It goes on to say, for man is made in the image of God. Do you get it? It's a warning to ensure that we preserve life. Because even after the fall, we still bear a likeness to God. I'll give you another one. 
James chapter 3 verse 9, it says this. It says, with the tongue we praise our God and Father, and with it we curse men who are made in the likeness of God. So it's the same thing. After the fall, we still bear the image of God. Now, we, don't get me wrong. We have lost the essential ingredient. We have, because of Eden, lost our original righteousness. We have lost our holiness. But that image of God, it still lingers, doesn't it? It still remains with us, no matter how corrupt and flawed it is. So that's fine. But what does it mean... And more importantly, what does it mean for you and me this morning? What does it mean? Well, folks, this has, believe it or not, some really serious implications for how we live as Christians. It should impact how we think. It should change our attitudes. You see, that man still bears the image of God after the fall. It means that all human life, all life, it is stamped with or infused with a special property. All human life is valuable because it's made in the image of God. Now, think about that and take it, take that attitude to some major and controversial issues in society today. Now what would you say some of the most controversial issues today are? Let's go for abortion. Abortion. Think about that. Another one. Let's think about the current attempts to legalize assisted suicide. Now, what should we think of that? What should, what should Christians think about that? What does the Bible say about these things? What does God have to say about these things? Well, we learn in Genesis chapter 1, we learn that human life is valuable, don't we? We learn that it isn't just atoms and cells banging about together. We learn that it is infinitely precious, that it is special. That it's valuable. You see, folks, the the dramatic implication of Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, is that we should oppose any measure that treats life carelessly. Why? Because all human life, regardless of how fragile it is, Regardless of how weak it is, all human life, it bears the image of our God. Okay, what, what have we seen so far? We've seen in the first question that what it means, this image of God. And we saw in the second question, we saw that we still, mankind, humanity, it still bears that image. 
But that image is stained and scarred and corrupted and tarnished. So let's conclude. Let's end with a third question. You ready for that? The third question this morning. Can the image of God be fully restored in man? You get it, don't you? We're made in the image. That image has been shattered by sin. Now, can it be restored? Can it be renewed, do you think? Can it be repaired? Well, the first thing we've got to think about here is that man... That we are the ones responsible for that image being tarnished. We are the ones who have destroyed or, or wrecked that image of God. That's the first thing. The second thing, the second thing we've got to understand is that because we've lost that original holiness and that righteousness, there ain't nothing that we can do about that problem. Let me take you back to the garden. Not the garden of Eden. Let me take you back to the garden of the manse. Now picture it. There's my dad and I standing there and I tell you, we were despondent, you know. We bought this lovely bit of furniture and it is ruined and it's wrecked. And I tell you, we would have done anything to be able to fix it. We would love to be able to be able to glue all these gazillion pieces of glass together and repair the mirror. But we can, can we? It is beyond our capabilities. And that's the same with the corruption of the image of God. There's nothing that mankind can do to repair it. Now, just listen to this. Just listen to what Almighty God does in that situation. You ready? This is Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Hear this. It says that God renews in his people the image of their creator. God steps in and he acts and he renews and repairs that image. Romans 8 says the same thing. It says that God's going to work. It says that God conforms his people to what? God conforms his people to the image, to the likeness of his son. Now, isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible, indescribable grace. And then ask yourself, how does he go about doing it? How does God repair that image? Well, I hope that if you've been here for the few months, and I hope if you've been in churches throughout the years, that you know the answer to how God does it. God renews us through one whose image was never, ever tarnished. He renews us through one that Paul described as being the image of the invisible God. God repairs that image 
And he does so through his son. He does so through Jesus Christ. Friends, let's just end this morning where we started our sermon. Okay, let's end at the beginning. And with the question, do you think that your life is valuable? Do you think that your life is valuable? Well, I I hope that you see this morning that the answer to that is 1,000 times yes. Your life is valuable. But I hope that you also see that true meaning, true purpose for your life That is found only in Jesus Christ. You see, on the last day, folks, when all is said and done, on that last day, and when we're all standing before our Creator and our Maker, the Scripture, the Bible, makes us a promise. It promises that all who have trusted in Jesus Christ for their salvation... That they will stand before him. That they will look at him. And that they will bear in absolute perfection the image and the likeness of their God. Isn't that marvelous? God is renewing his image in his people. So I guess there is only... One question that you need to answer. And that question is whether you, you are counted amongst that crowd. Are you? Are you a child 